Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 146. This week we talk with Samina Passat and Carl Pitera about Mobile Center. Our favorite new features in the Creators Update. And the new Xbox Scorpio makes the PlayStation 4 Pro look like a kid's toy. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Aspose, the market leader of .NET and Java APIs for file business formats. Natively work with DocX, XSLX, PPT, PDF, MSG, MPP, image formats, and many more. This week we have Samina Passat and Carl Peter, program managers from Mobile Center. Samina is focused on DevOps and Carl is focused on monitoring. How's it going, guys? Hi. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Doing great. Uh, so, Carl, what do we have for the comment of the week? This week, we got the comment of the week off of our website from Christopher Canode. Uh, he had a pretty lengthy uh, comment, said, I enjoyed the show as always. In the news section, I'm really glad that you found the article going against unpaid overtime. It has been on my mind a lot. I think there are many people in IT who are routinely taken advantage of by their employers. At my previous job, our boss expected us to work 55 to 60 hours a week or else we weren't quote, doing our job. As a developer, I do realize that there are times when we need to work extra to meet a deadline, and I've had to many, many times, but that should not be a weekly occurrence. In my view, the company is paying for 40 hours of time to perform development and it is my responsibility to provide good service. Uh, my job may end at 40 hours a week, but what I do for my career continues on. After commuting time, taking care of family obligations, if you have free time, much of that is devoted, or in his case, to developing his skills as a developer. If I constantly work over, then that time to improve myself disappears. In the long time, I believe that it is in the best interest of companies to limit the work hours of their tech workers to a 40-hour a week. And, and I know Jason had a little bit of a contrarian point of view last time, but I think that was, you know, if if you knew that you're going to be working, you know, 45, 55, 60 hours a week, and the compensation was adjusted upwards for that, then it made sense. But if you are only getting paid for 40 hours a week and you're constantly doing more, then you are getting paid less per hour compared yeah. to other people. Well, I think it's something that you should know ahead of time. If you, uh, if they tell you ahead of time that, Hey, this job is 55 to 60 hours. But I think the problem, the biggest problem is that they don't tell you ahead of time. Um, you know, you assume that it's 40 hours or a certain expectation of work. And I think I might've mentioned on the last show, but it's, it's kind of like being gauged num on number of lines of code written. Like we just, we know that it doesn't work properly. And plus if you're working 60 hours a week and uh, extra is required of you, uh, good luck with that. Cause you're probably already burnt out. So I guess we sort of skipped over the fact, too, that uh, Carl and I are actually in the same room right now. So if you're watching the <laughs> video, <laughs> you can see that uh, um, I'm actually out in Wisconsin and, and we're, we're trying things a little differently just because I happen to be here. But this is our this is this will be our only episode where we're standing next to each other uh, for the foreseeable future. But actually, that, that couldn't that might not be true in a few weeks. We will. We might be doing something next to each other. Oh, as well. that's true. That's true. But uh, that's that's a good little tease there. Uh, but that'll be that'll be a little bit different than this. All right. Uh, anyways, uh, this week, uh, the comment was sponsored by Aspose, and uh, Christopher gets a developer small business license for Aspose Total for .NET, which includes all of the Aspose.NET products in one package. And if you too would like to get mentioned on the show like Christopher did, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com, comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher. We especially love those five-star iTunes reviews. 
Perfect. Okay, let's jump into the news. So announcing custom domain HTTPS support with Azure CDN. Yeah, so if you uh, are utilizing the Azure CDN, uh, you have to use HTTPS. And not only that, there's no additional cost for the cert. Microsoft's going to kick that in for free. So I thought that was a, a pretty cool little tip. Okay. Oh, and this is on a custom domain as well? Yeah, so you can get... Oh, you know, that's what this is. Oh, this is specifically around the custom domain. Okay, So you can awesome. get a custom domain uh, with HTTPS and a free cert, so it's uh, nice and secure. Okay. Everybody, use the CDN. Uh, announcing the .NET Framework 4.7. I didn't even know that this was coming. This is cool. Yeah, uh... This blog post was written April 5th. And I think it came out that day too. Um, so if you actually go look in Visual Studio um, 2017, uh, it'll be there for an update. You can install .NET uh, 4.7 as well as the Windows 10 uh, Creators Update SDK as well. That's in there for two. But in particular, the .NET Framework 4.7 includes a, a bunch of features that help out uh, a lot of legacy things like it brings H. Uh, high HDA, uh, high DPI support for Windows Form applications, uh, touch support uh, for WPF, um, enhancements around cryptography, and you know the normal performance and reliability improvements that we see elsewhere. Um, anything else that you wanted to mention about this? Well, I think the first one there too is kind of important. Um, .NET Framework 4.7 uh, supporting .NET Standard 1.6, which I think is kind of a big deal as well. So we're seeing some good interop between those those frameworks. And then we do get the new C sharp seven uh, features in there as well. I think that oh, uh, some well, of the big deal. Yeah, some of these you might have to update some NuGet packages to get. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, they're all available now with four point seven. Okay. Very cool. Okay, what else we got here? Uh, creators update is out, uh, sort of. <laughs> so I think it officially gets starting. It, it starts getting pushed out on the 11th. That's the official day, but there's a couple ways that you can, or maybe not a couple ways. I guess there's like one way you can get early through the insiders program. Um, so if you're in the insiders program, I think you can go out there and I, I shouldn't say you think yeah. you can go to out there and download the, the ISOs and you can update your, your machines. I don't know if there's any other way to get it. There is an upgrade tool that oh, can be used well. to... Okay. Uh, get up there faster. Yeah. So I did want to talk about some of the key features in there too. Like what, I, what I think is important. Um, cause I, of course I, my favorite place to check out is the, is the settings app and kind of look through that and see what got it added there. Um, so there's a couple of features. One that I found that I wasn't expecting at all was internet sharing. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but, um, you go in there and you can share your internet connection. It'll basically act as a Wi-Fi hotspot. And, but what's cool about it is you can share a wired or a wireless connection. So, you know, what is the scenario? So I've been on a plane before where I had, you know, Wi-Fi or actually maybe even the better example is I've been to uh, like uh, other companies where you have to authenticate against their Wi-Fi using some kind of crazy process. And uh, or I was even at one customer where I had to I had to physically wire in my machine. That was the only way to get inter access at, Internet access at their location. With this feature, you can turn this on. Your laptop will turn in a Wi-Fi hotspot and then your phone or other devices connect to it. So you can basically share your internet through that device, uh, which I think is, uh, is pretty significant. So in the case where I was able to wire in my laptop, I would have been able to share that. And I think if you're like on a plane, uh, you could share out like go, go Wi-Fi and, and things like that. Um, and then not get the, not have that captive portal where you have to put in the, the captcha and, and go through <laughs> all of that ugly, horrible stuff. Um, so to me, that's kind of a big deal. 
the old, at least in the old Surface Pro devices, I know there was a trick for doing it through the command line, uh, but there was a networking feature that wasn't enabled. So it actually wasn't even possible. So even if you were kind of a hacker and wanted to get this to work, uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't supported. And now it's just a, an item on the settings panel, which is amazing. Uh, the other big thing, quiet hours can be 18 hours now. Uh, it used to be you could only have it be 12 hours. Uh, so you can actually have it go like super early to, to super late where um, it, maybe quiet hours isn't the name of this. It's basically the period that you can pick where you don't you won't get the uh, the update prompts or it won't automatically update your machine. So essentially you can have now just a six hour period at night in which uh, you're basically allowing your machine to get automatically updated. Uh, so that was a good feature. And then the last one that I wanted to point out was the, um, basically, you know, whatever I don't know what they, what is it night shift? Yeah. Night shift, which is basically, you know, it's basically flux, right? Where it shifts the, uh, the blue light out of there at night, uh, which supposedly makes it uh, easier to sleep. And it makes, it does make it a little bit easier on the, on the eyes as well. So those features now are all built into the creators update. I updated my surface book. Um, so far it's been, it's been good. Um, some things seem a little bit faster. Um, you know, time will tell if it's more stable, but, uh, I'm kind of under, I'm, I'm under the impression that it, that that's going to be the case. So I don't know, Carl, if you had any features that uh, that you've been playing with or you want to mention anything. So, you know, one of the things I think that the Windows Insider program actually kind of ruins for you in some cases is mm -hmm. like you get used to this constant drip of new features. Yeah. So then when it's time for it to come out, it's like, all right, when's the next feature coming out? You yeah. know, the new ones aren't so exciting if, if that's the case. You've been so. ODing on features. Yep. <laughs> so uh, other Carl and Samina, um, I don't know. Have you guys played with Creators Update yet? I haven't safe. updated my Surface yet, <laughs> well, to be guys, honest. Uh, we busy, should like, be doing working. that this weekend. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I unfortunately, I haven't used it yet. Oh, you guys are busy building stuff and doing work and you know, those <laughs> types of things. Kind of. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like your picture there, Carl. Carl just pulled up a picture. It just, it says in quotes, seems faster. <laughs> yep, exactly. Just like my car always seems faster after I get an oil chain. Um, and then the last news item that we wanted to go over, uh, either of you guys gamers? Yeah. No, Carl, Samina, you guys gamers? I'm not, but huh? I used to work in Xbox. So yeah, I know a bit about Xbox. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, you can give us the inside scoop here because you, you have all the inside knowledge now. <laughs> so um, the Project Scorpio specs were announced. I actually wasn't going to go over the, the specific specs, but I guess the, the information that was that was dropped here was that this thing is a beast. Um, I don't know. Is there any specs here we want to mention? Uh, true 4K gaming. So I guess there was a demo of Forza at 4K uh, at 60 frames per second. I guess there was still a ton of headroom on this thing. Uh, basically, the articles, you know, of course, the sensational story is that this thing kind of destroys the uh, the PS4 Pro in terms of uh, performance. But it should because it's coming out essentially a year later. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think I think they're done, right? Like PlayStation. I don't think there's like a, a Pro 2 or something, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the later product to the, to the 4k game, um, and a lot more powerful 12 gigabytes of memory, uh, six teraflop GPU. Um, yeah, pretty much everybody analyzing these specs again, I, you know, I don't really know how to interpret all these, but they're saying it, it kind of crushes everything that exists out there, um, from a console perspective. And, and for me personally, it's not going to be more interesting until we can start uh, getting ready to buy these. So, yeah, yeah. 
So no, yeah, no. But still, when you say like Forza in 4K, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm already addicted to it. No, stop, stop. Because <laughs> I, I, you know, it was. It's kind of interesting. I have a 1080p, 70-inch TV, and I actually had to rent a, a DVD recently. Uh, that my, it was a kids' movie that my my kids want. It was Trolls, I think, and it was 480p. And I popped that in and played it. And actually, from the distance that I sit from the TV, it actually was it. It really didn't look much different than 1080p. So I was kind of on the, you know, I, I've been sitting here waiting for, you know, an excuse to go out and get 4K. So like, I, I hope this thing is delayed or something. Like, I don't, I don't need this in my life because <laughs> if I know that this exists, it's going to make me want to go out and get a, a new, you know, 4K TV. And, and that's just going to be a, a whole journey. Uh, step one, actually, for me, I went out and bought like the 4K Roku, um, you know, so that's kind of like my foot in the 4K door, but. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to hold, Carl's got to hold me back. <laughs> Be strong for me, Carl. <laughs> okay, so let's uh let's jump into Mobile Center. So this has been Mobile Center's been out I think a few months, right? Um yeah, since since in November. November, yeah. In November, yeah. So it's been out for for a few months and it, you know, it's been kind of a shame that we haven't talked about it on the show, but I think we're just waiting for the for the right timing here. And I think that uh, kind of the culmination of a lot of stuff that you guys have been working on has, has all come together. Um, so it's just a, a great time to talk about it. So I guess we'll, we'll start with the the basics, you know, the, what are for anybody who hasn't heard about it, like what is Mobile Center? You want to so, start? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can start. So Mobile Center is basically a, a control center for uh, app developers. Mm-hmm. And the goal is really to help app developers throughout the whole life cycle of creating an app. So from the very first start, when you start pushing code to your repo, uh, making sure that we automate all the steps there uh, to uh, allow you to go faster and be more productive, uh, down to uh, understanding what's happening in your app, what's in uh, in the field, in the phones of your users. So yeah. Mobile Center really covers all these aspects. Yeah, and you can think about it that, you know, developers are using an ID to write their code. And the way I like to think about it is that everything else, they can find it in Mobile Center. Yep. You know, they don't have to go to one service to set up a build or continuous integration and to another service to set up uh, monitoring and to another service to set up analytics. You have everything in one single place and you get it in one UI and one uh, mission control. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because this brought together like a whole bunch of services that were in different locations, right? Mm-hmm. And then do the do those services exist in their old locations? Were they moved? Were they kind of you know are they exposed in two places? So th- that's a great question, and actually part of that move was also to unify SDKs, unify API surfaces, yeah. because definitely Microsoft has been invet- investing a lot in mobile, yeah. like mobile first uh, Moto, but. Definitely, we had a lot of uh, un- you know unique products with different yeah. SDKs, different APIs. So I think that's a great move uh, to make sure that we uh, bring everything with a, a uniform experience, which definitely improves uh, both productivity and developer experience. Yeah, it really reminds me of like the visual, the new VS twenty seventeen experience. You know, the new installer where you you go in there and it's sort of scenario based. And I, I really like that approach better. It's like, hey, what are you trying to do? Like, what type of person are you? So I think this acknowledges the fact that. You know, there are mobile developers and they have a set of needs that is all uniform. Um, so I think it makes a lot of um, sense from from that perspective. Yeah. And to your point, I think one important thing to mention is that Mobile Center is still in preview. 
So okay. we announced it in November, but we are super actively working on it. And um, for really production apps, we still have the old services which are being okay. maintained. So like if somebody, you know, wants to have this, I know the future most successful app, I think they should definitely consider Mobile Center. But if it's, you know, if they wanted to put it out in production, um, it's still a preview product. So yeah. Um, yeah, there are some small things to consider them. <laughs> I was like, I was like, ah, I would totally ignore you. I just use it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I would do it as well, but you know, we have to point it out. Disclaimer. Yep. And we're iterating really super so, fast on you know, mobile center. Yeah. So I was looking in to like log into this. You log into like a visualstudio.com uh, URL. Um, so is Azure still a big part of this? Do I need Azure or is it all through this centralized portal? So actually the visualstudio.com part is more like the product slash marketing page. But when you actually want to log into Mobile Center, you go to mobile.azure.com. Uh, and that's also because uh, the, the product really is in the cloud. So you build in the cloud, you test in the cloud, you distribute from the cloud. Uh, so that's what makes it uh, a strong tie to Azure, but because it's a, a tool to help developers, that's why there is that uh, Visual Studio starting point and Visual Studio brand. And you yeah. don't really need, like, if you're a brand new person with a Microsoft ecosystem, you don't need to worry about any other subscriptions. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a standalone product. Okay. So even though the URL is uh, mobile.azure.com, it doesn't mean that you actually need an Azure subscription. You don't. Okay. That's, that's kind of what I was wondering about, because I think that can be intimidating. You know, somebody's like, I'm just a mobile developer and I want to use some of these, you know, because the, the competition is really like these SaaS services that do, you know, this or that. And uh, to come over to the Microsoft side and say, hey, you need to have an Azure subscription and then you got to go kind of hunt and peck for these different services. I think I think this is just a, a much uh, nicer story for the developers, for sure. Yeah. And in fact, when we started uh, working on it, for one of the first login types we had was sign up with GitHub yeah. because we know that many developers live yeah. on GitHub. So uh, that was our one of our first um, social authentication, if you can call it this way. Yeah, I saw, I saw that in there. That's very cool. And as you start needing to... Um, uh, use Azure together with uh, with Mobile Center, uh, we have a place where it's super easy to uh, link your Azure subscription to Mobile Center, but you, you don't need to do it at the very start. So you, you can just start exploring it. Uh, you plug in your uh, GitHub account or your uh, Microsoft account, and you're there, uh, ready to go. Okay. And then what were kind of the core scenarios that you guys had in mind building this? You know, like what was the, you know, if, if you're, if you're picturing like a certain persona for the person using it, what, what did that look like? Well, I would say we have generally like two big areas of the product and uh, we can imagine that there is different personas using them either together or separately. Uh, and I think one of the, one of these pieces is the piece of mobile DevOps. So the whole, you know, you build your app, you do continuous integration, you test it, do automated UI testing in the cloud, and then you distribute it either to your um, internal testers, to maybe external testers, or in the end out to the store. So that's one of the part which kind of helps developing the app and bringing it, you know, getting um, incremental feedback and getting the app to get this five star app that you want to be. But then you actually have to learn about the app and maybe Carl wants to talk a bit about that part. Yeah, definitely. So the the point is that when when you're putting an app in the hands of people, uh, be there 
testers or actual uh, end users, um, you want definitely to reach to that five star. So you were saying earlier, you want a five star uh, podcast and app developers, they want five star in the store. Uh, and we want to help them achieve that. So uh, that goes hand in hand with uh, understanding what end users are doing, uh, what they are liking, what they are not liking, any uh, quality issues, so crash, uh, making sure that you get proper crash reporting, both sizing the problem, but also understanding what people experience uh, with the app. So uh, bringing the best tools to help you um, understand the quality of your app, but also fix uh, any problems with quality. Uh, and then at some point, engaging them uh, in uh, in the app. But all that works if you're able to iterate fast on that. And that's where the I think the, we, we tie uh, the, the story together because in order to do that, you want to get that software as fast as possible in the hand of your testers or the hand of end user. And that's where it goes back to the DevOps part where, well, I just, you know, like improved that feature. It was hidden. Uh, I understood from my analytics that it was uh, people were not uh, really discovering it. I made it more prominent. And now I hope they like it and they are going to use it. But how long does it take for them from either testers or end users to actually experience that? And well, as a developer, I just want to commit my code and then it goes. And that's what we are yeah. trying to do is like, I just, you know, like git commit and boom, uh, a few minutes later, uh, you receive uh, an update saying, hey, you can download the new version. I love I love the first comment on there about the, um, you know, we're, we're just trying to get you five star reviews. <laughs> no, I, I love that. I love that because that summarizes almost everything else, because if you make the developer's life easier, if you make that whole process easier and you make it so that you can improve the quality, the crashing, all that that all feeds into just getting five-star reviews, which is going to make you more money or more visibility or whatever. So I, I just love that beginning summary. I just wanted to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering which uh, platforms are supported in, uh, or mobile platforms are supported in Mobile Center? So we started back in November and uh, we started with um, iOS, um, Objective-C and Swift. So both of these um once then Android Java and uh, as well as Xamarin uh, and then we added React Native mm -hmm. and uh, by popular demand we are now ha working hard on UWP support. Okay, it's coming very <laughs> soon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> really soon. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Carl was asking about that before the show. He's like, "This is I, I want this for UWP." So. Well, especially since some of the initial documentation I saw said Xamarin, and then it said only Xamarin iOS and mm -hmm. Xamarin Android, because I know sometimes you can get some of those uh, Xamarin uh, SDKs to support UWP as well. So it's good to hear that that's going to be definitely. Um, um, I I think the goal. Um, and, and the, the spirit that Microsoft has been having for the past few years was to, to show and demonstrate openness. And I think that's what we've been trying to do as well, to say, hey, this is not a, a product just focused on, on Windows and the UWP platform. Yeah. Uh, it's really a, a product for any mobile platform. So we started there, but of course, we are not forgetting uh, UWP developers. On the contrary, we want to be... Uh, to be providing even better tools. So um, for sure, uh, we are uh, at work on, on that platform and it will come very soon. Okay. Aspose offers a powerful set of file management APIs with which developers can create applications, which can create, 
open, edit, and save the majority of popular business file formats. Their product range supports a multitude of file formats, including Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoint presentations, PDF documents, OneNote, Outlook, Project, Visio files, popular image formats, and many others. Aspose produces APIs for .NET, Java, and the cloud, which can be utilized in almost any modern language available today. Visit www.aspose.com for a free 30-day no-limitations trial. And if you get stuck, message the friendly support team for help. All technical support is offered free of charge. Remember, if you're a lucky winner, you will receive a free developer small business license for Aspose.Words for .NET a powerful toolkit to work with Word documents in your applications. I, I love it. It really shows the new Microsoft, though, that we launch with, or I shouldn't say launch. I mean, it's still in preview. So in preview, we have iOS and Android and uh, UWP being right around the corner. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really cool to see. So I figured what we do is we'd actually just walk through um, a whole bunch of the features so we can just, you know kind of deep dive into those. Um, so I was kind of hoping you could walk us through those. And I have kind of a short list here and you'll have to just let us know if we miss anything. Uh, but the but the first thing is is building an app. So can you tell us what that what that does exactly? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, as a developer, uh, we write the code and something that everybody does is git commit and then push the code. And uh, what the build service does is that we take the code from the repository and we transform it in a package that can be, uh, you know, we can run unit tests or we can run UI tests on uh, and then finally distribute it to the users. Uh, and I think we have some uh, really nice features in this build service package. Uh, one of my favorite one is that it's so easy to use. Like I remember from a few years ago when I had to set up continuous integration and it was a burden for me. I was like, okay, that's gonna take like at least one week of my time. I have to, you know, set up this local server and I have to, you know, have a build machine and like such a big pain. Uh, and right yeah. now it's just, you know, we do a lot of analysis on top of the repositories. So users just have to, you know, select my CS project and select my version and select some easy things like build on push or run unit test and then click okay and that's it. <laughs> my um, favorite one is actually, you know, like uploading the, the certificates yeah. and the provisioning profile, like exactly. just like drag and drop mm -hmm. and it feels, feels easy. <laughs> right, it, and it's so easy. And you don't have, you know, especially for um, iOS developers out there, um, that's a big problem when they want to use continuous integration that they usually they have to provide their own uh, Mac hardware for uh, the build server. So yeah. one thing is using your own hardware for developing, which is staying, it's not going anywhere. But then uh, I know a bunch of people who use some other continuous integration and they have, you know, a rack somewhere or a shelf in their in their office and they're keeping the Mac hardware there. Yep. And then you have to update it all the time to have the right version and everything. And my one of my favorite parts is that we take that away from the developers and we are taking care of everything. So uh, we have the Mac hardware, we have the Mac cloud, we provide clean VMs for every single build. So, you know, everything is super secure and uh, sandboxed. Um, and yeah, it's just super easy. You know, you just click a few buttons and then you have your own VM provision with a right Xcode uh, version, with a right, like e every single tool that you need is in there. So you don't have to worry about setting all of this up. So I, if my, so if I have an iOS app mm -hmm. in GitHub, you guys will handle the build for me? 
yep. Okay. Yes. And, and what's really yeah. Just call that what, magic, yeah. <laughs> and what's really funny and, and you know the, the way I usually demonstrate it at, at conferences and, and to people is that um, and I'm more on the on the other side where um, on the monitoring which we'll talk about later, but uh, at some point I say, Hey, I want to show you how that works. So I, I commit my uh, tracking of events and things like that and uh, automatically you see on mobile center uh, that uh, of course, it's linked with uh, my uh, GitHub repo and it picked up the commit, uh, you know, like automatically you don't have to do any refresh or whatever. Uh, the build is pending. It's starting. You see the logs flowing uh, and then it's done. So succeed, fails, uh, whatever. It depends on what <laughs> I did uh, in the code, actually. But at least, you know, like you get it there and I didn't need it anything. So. <laughs> so, so I'm just picturing you. So you like check in some code and then for the whole presentation, you just like, you just stand there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you know like... he takes that guitar and he starts playing. <laughs> exactly. but you, just, you just like pick up the mic every once in a while, just drop it. <laughs> yeah, next time I'll take a ukulele. And, and <laughs> yeah. That's a good demo. So uh, the, the next category that we had uh, looked to cover was test. And it's not that these are necessarily unit tests, but these are testing on uh, actual devices for us. How does that work? Uh, I actually like that feature a lot uh, because, you know, when you develop an app and you want it to be out there in the stores used by real people, people have so many devices. Like, really, if somebody can imagine that they can um, test manually an app on every single device or even do UI testing in their own lab and cover every device out there, I would love to hear how they do it. Like seriously, I, I would love to hear how they do it well, and how many people they and how much time they spend I, on that. I can tell you, I mean, my previous company, we had like tons of iPhones and Androids and it would cost a <laughs> ton of money and you never had the right cable. And yeah. <laughs> um, and the test service... I had a lot of extra char chargers and earbuds. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Um, the test service really takes away all this pain of handling, you know, the devices, having the device on the right operating system, keeping old operating systems as well, because you don't want to update all your devices. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have our own data center with thousands of combinations, you know, different languages, different devices, uh, both Android and iOS. You can have there all the iPhones, iPads, all can the tables. Can we call it a data center? Shouldn't we call it like a device center? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Um, I'd like to actually see that. I think that'd be interesting to see like all these devices crammed into the small area. That'd be kind of interesting to see. Well, I think that's, you brought up something else that, you know, like we don't always think about either. Even if you had like all these devices, you know, I would probably only have them set to English or, right. you know, maybe one or two others. Yeah. I wouldn't think to have them in all these different combinations. Yeah. You need a double byte language. You need, yeah. <laughs> languages that are just longer. Yeah. Yeah. So it, is this related to Xamarin Test Cloud at all? Because exactly. it's a very similar yes. thing. Or I mean, is it just this rebranded? Yeah, the way we think about Mobile Center is that it is the next generation of Xamarin Test Cloud, especially for the test service. Mm -hmm. And for I think for the distribution and monitoring part is the next version of a hockey app. So you brought up a really good yep. point is, yes, we are looking to bring everything in one place. And Xamarin Test Cloud is one of the services that it's coming in here. Yeah. And it's funny because whenever we think about the Xamarin acquisition, we think like, oh, that's a great way to get that and then and then get more people on the platform. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we kind of forget that that whole test cloud came over as well. And and it's not like it's it doesn't feel like it's shoehorned in here like this. is Like we needed that as well. Um, so I think people forget about that. But that is an amazingly good service. 
Um, super important. And then uh, what about distributing my app? So how do I actually do that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think all of this cycle comes in naturally. As Carl was saying, you know, you say he starts tracking events and great, you have a build, you have tested your build, but then you actually, that's the essential part. You want to put it in the hand of your users, you know, regardless whether they are uh, internal testers in Microsoft, we do it with all these, you know, all the company dog fooding our own stuff yep. uh, and or to external testers. Uh, that's actually the distribution part where you get the package that was firstly built and then tested, you put it actually in the hands of users. And that's when you be, are able to start monitoring and learning from their behavior. And then once you learn, you go make a change and then you go through the same cycle again. So mm -hmm. it's all of it is together. Mm -hmm. So the nice thing is that you can define some groups mm -hmm. uh, of people. So when, when, you, when you define your build, um, you can say, hey, this needs to go to like my alpha QA or to my beta QA or to actually external testers or uh, all of them. And uh, and they will just get them, you know, like, again, you commit yeah. and then build, test, distribute. And they get this cool in-app update, you know, or you can even force them to have the app updated. For them, it's like yeah. super easy as a user to use it. You don't have yeah. to, you know, go to some internal web page where you have to log in with some credentials and to download some package on your phone and then to put it via USB. It's just now you get everything in-app update on your phone and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a user, you know, of that service, like within Microsoft, it is great. I can go and it's kind of like a internal store of all those applications. And then, you know, I get to help out with dog fooding and uh, that type of thing. But then what about distributing to, to the actual app stores then? Is that all handled as well? Because I noticed you, or you mentioned the certificates before. Um, so can it also push like directly into those stores for updates? Uh, coming soon. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so today you can build, uh, you know, we have, uh, we have support for certificates and for building yeah. every variation of the app, whether it's a debug, ad hoc, or release uh, version. So mm -hmm. you can definitely build it today and sign it the proper way and package it in such a way that it's ready for the App Store, for the Play okay. Store, for whatever store. Uh, and the ability to publish directly from Mobile Center is also coming soon. Okay, so there's just one extra step today, which isn't, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting you to directly publish to that. So that's, that's cool. That's just <laughs> bonus. <laughs> So uh, you mentioned that uh, part of this comes from Hockey App as well. So we get to like the, the crash monitoring part of this as well. So uh, do we get like full native crash dumps like when we, you know, when those do happen? Yes, definitely. So uh, we uh, redesign SDKs for Mobile Center uh, so that they are uh, small, modular, and very easy to use. Uh, so now with... Uh, basically uh, dropping the SDK in the app and one line, uh, you get two things, if you choose so, uh, you get crash reporting and uh, the the basic analytics. And on the crash side, definitely we um, basically get the crash, uh, give you the opportunity as a developer to uh, create an opt-in mechanism uh, because you end users should be in control of whether they are uh, willing to, to share what's happening on their device or not. So as a developer, you can activate these uh, opt-in consent uh, mechanisms. But if the consent uh, is positive, then yes, we will send the crashes uh, to the back end and then we have uh, the analysis of crashes so we have two main things one the analytics of crashes which means we are going to count the crash to count users so um, 
uh, device-free, uh, uh, crash-free devices, things like that, uh, as well as uh, the, the full-stack trace uh, that we will symbolicate uh, on iOS. Um, and of course, on Android, we have the, the normal uh, stack trace. Uh, but on iOS, we will also symbolicate the, the stack trace uh, for you to have uh, an understandable uh, stack trace with file names and, uh, and line numbers and everything uh, to help you as a developer understand uh, what happened. Uh, we have also things like most affected devices, most affected uh, model, uh, so that it can be a hint. And at the moment, we're adding uh, new stuff around it because uh, when you see a stack trace, you don't necessarily understand, you know, it doesn't necessarily point to the immediate problem. Actually, your app may be crashing, but it may be crashing because something happened way before. Uh, so our goal is to provide you as many hints as possible on the environment, uh, the device itself, uh, the the conditions, potentially events, things like that. Uh, so we are going to provide you uh, as many things as we can so that you really understand the context and you can basically uh, understand your problem faster and most importantly, fix it. Yeah. So are you using Application Insights or is that something I'd also use? Like, How do those things relate? Uh, so uh, that's coming really from the experience uh, and uh, a big portion of the code we had in, um, in uh, Hockey App, uh, okay. where we have a, a really solid uh, way of um, grouping crashes together, understanding, you know, like the nature okay. of the crash, gr grouping them together. And that's a very important part of our technology uh, so that we uh, provide you crashes that that's that are grouped together that make sense and avoid uh, too much noise. Okay. So are there a few other things, uh, you know, I'm thinking about for analytics that you do automatically, um, like, uh, like which features are might be used uh, a lot or not at all? Is, is yeah. that something that I get out of the box or do I have to do something for that? So um, as I was saying, uh, you basically drop the SDK in the app, uh, just start it with the one line and uh, you get uh, basically the, the crash reporting, but also uh, a good portion of analytics. So uh, uh, specifically, we have uh, an audience page uh, in the analytics okay. where uh, you understand that basically we answer a bunch of questions around uh, how many users do I have, uh, what models, what OS version they're on, uh, what uh, app version um, are, are they on, is my uh, new version well deployed, what country they're in, what language they speak. So really, trying to understand uh, the the conditions uh, of uh, your user base of your, of your audience and you get that yeah definitely um, uh, instantly with just one line integration so that's uh, something that you get really easily now for the feature usage you will have to uh, instrument your app by sending events and uh, you can send basically events by designing them by a name and uh, some key value pairs in order to characterize the event. And we will uh, show you uh, distributions uh, of uh, these key value pairs basically to, to for you to understand uh, not only uh, the usage uh, of features or uh, pages and things like that, but also some specific characteristics about uh, these events. That can be, for example, I don't know if you have a, a, a news app or a, a, um, an app for your podcast and uh, you want to understand like which one is uh, is listened to. If you have an event like listen, uh, you will have the statistic of, um, you know, like the most listened uh, in, in, prior, in order. 
And oh, I think we, I we already love... know it's this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think for the events feature, what I really love is, you know, there's so many times when within a team there are arguments, you know, what should we do next? Should we invest in this feature versus another feature? You know, is this feature really used? And you really look at the data and the data is right there and you can, you know, it just adds another dimension to the argument because you yeah. know how many people are using it, how are using it, how often they're using it. And you can just like take really, you can take decisions and try it out for a few weeks and then you see the data and you can compare them. And there you go, you find out it's like, doesn't make sense to argue with your team anymore. Exactly. Carl's fiddling with our show. Oh, okay. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to ask this one, Carl? Uh, so uh, another feature that you had on there was tables. Uh, it looks like it's a way to, uh, you know, store information locally, but also potentially in the cloud. Yeah, definitely. So uh, tables is really um, the easy tables you find in uh, in Azure uh, that allows you to uh, do offline sync. Uh, and uh, we believe that that's something that's really helpful uh, for for developer as a as a mobile backend uh, to be able to store the data in the cloud and you know like without too much effort making sure that you handle these scenarios where you can get get disconnected because uh, you're in the subway or uh, you're in some place that doesn't have a network but you still want to continue to use your app and uh, well this will handle that for you. Very cool. And then what about uh, identity? So what, what kind of identity, um, you know, what, what do you do from a support standpoint there? Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's similar when you think about it as tables. It's, you know, the way we think about it is that every great app also needs a great backend. And there's a few core features that, you know, every app needs. One of them is the tables part, but another core feature is the identity part as well. So what you really get there is, you know, a simple way, unified way to using the most uh, important identity providers out there. Okay. So, you know, you can think about Facebook uh, and such big social networks. Okay. Were there any big features that we that we missed? Um, we didn't miss any from uh, what's in now, but something that okay. we're working on right now is push. Uh, okay. And that's something also that should come very soon. Push notifications? Push notifications. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Very cool. Very cool. So and is is the current Azure notifications feature going to migrate to Mobile Center then? Or is uh, this... So uh, again, like for every other products, you know, like just like we have distribute uh, in mobile center that's mm -hmm. uh, that inherits from uh, hockey app uh, definitely the the push feature uh, inherits from the experience and uh, definitely builds uh, on notification hub with it which is a, an amazing uh, feature that allows you to push very uh, quickly and inexpensively to to a lot of devices and of course we are building on on that experience and that quality awesome and another part that we added recently, and it's not really for a specific feature, but I think it's really useful for bigger teams, is the support for organizations. Uh, so then, you know, if you're a bigger team, you can start using a mobile center together as a team, and then you have different roles and you can, you know, you have the manager role and the developer role, so you can really get a bit more fine-grained access control, which is really useful, especially, you know, when it's when you're this team of two devs working on a small app, maybe it's not that useful, but as soon as you have a bit of a bigger team, uh, you really want to start um, having some access control in there and to have certain people have access to some things. 
No, that's good. Cause that was one of the biggest issues with, uh, with the window store was for a long time. It was just like a single login. And then that person would leave the company or something like that. these big organizations. That was always a huge pain point. They wanted the multiple levels of control there for sure. Definitely. This has been asked really a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as a preview product, this is something that is free. Do you have any uh, announcements or any idea what this is going to cost uh, when it does go GA? So we don't have any announcements. Uh, we are, of course, actively working on, on the pricing aspect, but at this stage, we are not talking about it. Okay. Um, and then any, uh, you actually, you guys actually mentioned some like upcoming features while we were talking about, it. are there any other upcoming features that you guys wanted to mention? Uh, I mean, we release <laughs> new features, I think every single week yeah. and we announce them every second week. So probably usually every Wednesday or Thursday, active users get an email and it's like, Hey, okay. that's what we released uh, last week. Uh, and I think. Uh, we will have soon, uh, so for the build part, until now we had GitHub support mm -hmm. uh, and we added Bitbucket uh, two weeks ago and okay. in the next few weeks, very soon, uh, VSTS support is coming soon. So oh, whatever cool. Git repos you have in VSTS and you have mobile apps, you'll be able to build them with uh, Mobile Center. Okay. Yeah, because VSTS has come a long way and it's it's become an amazing product. So that's good to hear. It is. Yeah, we, we I'm, I'm really, really excited well. about that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are. Uh, anything else you guys wanted to mention before we move on? I think we covered everything. Nothing comes to mind. Uh, okay. So, Carl, what do you have for the Azure Pick of the Week? Uh, for the Azure Pick of the Week, uh, something we haven't talked in a while about is Azure Stack. Mm -hmm. There's a new technical preview that includes a whole bunch of new services, including uh, Azure Functions. So if you have uh, Azure Stack um, running... Uh, in your own enterprise, you have these newer Azure features um, available to you. So it's not just something that you need to have a public subscription for. You're going to dive in. You're just going to, well, I guess we'll leave this in the, uh, in the show we'll notes. We'll leave it in the show notes so you can check it out. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. Ooh, Azure functions. I yes. That, that, that's why I mentioned it for you, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, and you know, my, me traveling out to Wisconsin here, I forgot the, the cards at home. So we don't have that game this week, unfortunately. So you guys don't get, you don't get on the, on the, uh, on the fun of playing a, a game that was designed apparently by 10 year olds for eight year olds. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so where, where can people, uh, find more information about uh, you guys and about mobile center? So the best avenue really uh, to find information about Mobile Center is to go to uh, mobile.azure.com. Okay. Um, just sign up. It's super easy, as we said, uh, GitHub, Bitbucket, Microsoft account, login password. Super easy. It like, takes five seconds. And okay. then uh, on the bottom right, uh, you have an icon where you can chat with our team. Uh, it's really the best thing to, to get in touch with us. Uh, we respond really quickly when we're awake, uh, but we, we respond really quickly. And, and actually, a lot of people have been saying to, to us that it's amazing to, to be able to have a, an interactive discussion with the, with the team that actually creates the product. So that's a, a great avenue. Otherwise, we yeah. can be rich on Twitter. We're on Twitter. Okay. Uh, yeah, my handle is Simina Passat, and so I'm, my name. Yeah, Twikarl, uh, so T W I K A R L. Okay. We'll have those. Yeah, we'll have those in the show notes so that people yeah. can uh, can get to those. 
And uh, Carl, working, he's, he's signing up right now for, for Mobile Center, by the way. <laughs> there, he's he's in. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about Mobile Center. Very cool product. Um, Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm really excited about what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. 